would like to look at Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91. We'll look at a few other verses here, uh, specifically the first couple of verses right here. Psalm 91. This psalm appears to have been written by David and who had um, a number of experiences that would cause him, that could cause him to be uh, fearful. There is, there is a difference between being cautious and fearful. There's a big difference between being cautious and fearful. There's a lot of folks that will try to motivate us to do something based on fear. If you don't believe it, just scan the, uh, the television station and almost any station that you land on it doesn't matter without exception if it has anything to do with current events. There's a lot of folks that, in fact, some folks get, uh, it seems like, uh, a real charge out of motivating folks by fear. Uh, you hear about a storm coming and uh, listen to the weatherman and you would think that it's uh, almost the worst storm that's ever been had. Come to find out that when it comes, it's not nearly as bad as what you, what you thought it might be. Uh, and especially in the time in which we're living and the uh, pandemic that we're experiencing around us, a lot of folks would like to motivate by fear. One thing to be fearful, another thing to be cautious. As children of God, uh, we're taught to be cautious, but not to be fearful. And there's some reasons why that we're not to be fearful. And Psalm chapter 91 gives us some real good tips right here, some good suggestions on why we should not be fearful. I had this conversation last evening with a family member that... Um, was very fearful uh, sometimes and I, I confess that there's times that um, sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and a particular uh, situation all of a sudden fear seems to grip me over a particular situation if I, if I get up the next morning I think about the things of the Lord it seems like that I can put it more in perspective and that fear begins to diminish. It's worse for me in the middle of the night. Um, but that's one, of, that's one of Satan's tactics in our life is to affect us and influence us by fear. Now, if fear really grips us, at least for me it has a paralyzing effect I'm, I can't be used to encourage anybody else. I can't be used to help anyone else if I'm overcome with fear. Now, caution is another thing. I'm not a, I'm not a good swimmer. 
I admire folks that can swim. I might could make it to the, the back doors back here with um, a lot of help and uh, if everything was just right. But if I went out on a boat, I would, I can assure you that I would wear a life jacket. You're, you may be more comfortable not wearing a life jacket and that's okay if you are, but if I go out on a boat, I'm going to wear a life jacket. And I think that's just using common sense because I don't know how to swim. One thing to be fearful, another thing to be cautious. Psalm 91, why, why should we not be fearful? He that dwelleth in the secret place. Now the he is you and I. Where's the secret place? Where might we find that? The he is you and I and it begins to teach us a lesson right here that the reason that we don't live in fear is because of where we are and who's protecting us and who's watching over us. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Well, now we can see in John chapter 10 that we're in the hand of Jesus Christ and we're in the hand of the Father. And Jesus Christ says, I and my Father are one. And he says that there's nobody that can take you out of his hand or the Father's hand. So one of the secret places that we are located in is in the hand of God. Now that's a pretty safe place to be. It really is. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Another place that we dwell with God is in the mind of God. God knows us and God thinks on us. And we're taught in Romans chapter 8 there's a lot of things that are against us. And you may feel like sometimes that everything's against you. You may feel like that your co-workers are against you. You may feel like that the times in which you're living are against you. Satan is against you. But even though there's a whole lot of things that are against us, we have the encouragement and the assurance to know that even though there's a lot of things that are against us, the good news is that God is for us. And God is for us, and that takes care of a whole lot of other things because he says that all those things that are against us, they can't remove us from the love of God. They can't remove us from the presence of God. And they can't remove us from the secret place of the Most High. He mentions two things right here in uh, and in verse 1, he says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. This also defines where we're located. That we are in the shadow of the Almighty. We're in the presence of God, in the hand of God, and in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, David, it said, wrote this psalm, Psalm 91, after his experience in 2 Samuel 
uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 24 where, where David had sinned against God and David numbered Israel and against uh, the uh, 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 wanting to take uh, 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 delight in the power and the numbers that were there. And it says that, that David sinned against God in 2 Samuel chapter uh, chapter 24. And it says that uh, Gad came to him, that he came unto David, and David's heart was convicted of the sin that he had done. And I'll just read, it says that he was given three choices right here. And it's interesting the choice that David made right here. It says, and David's heart smote after him in verse 20, chapter 24, verse 10, that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto him by the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, and he said, go and say unto David, thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things, choose thee one of them that I may do it unto thee. So David is actually about to get the judgment of God upon him. And it's interesting right here that God gives David the choice to pick the judgment that he has. He gives him three things right here. And he says, now you pick the, um, the judgment that's going to come upon you and that's going to affect others. And it says, <clears throat> David, that Gad came to David and told him, and he said, <clears throat> Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? He says, here's the three choices that you have. Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in the land? Or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee? Or how about three days of pestilence in the land? Those are the three choices that God gave David to pick from for the judgment. So does God judge his people? He does. Do we deserve the judgment of God? We do. Does our land in which we're living in deserve the judgment of God? It does. Should we be surprised when we experience the judgment of God? We shouldn't. Right here, David had sinned against God. Here's what he said. And David said, I am in a great strait. You ever been there? That's like we used to say I'm in a big fix. Sometimes we find ourselves in a big fix. David says, I'm in a great strait. I know I've sinned against God. I know that there's Three choices that have been given to me, but I want you to look at what affected David's decision right here. He says, I'm in a great strait. He says, but here's my decision. David picked the third one right there, and here's why he did. He says, I'm in a great strait. He says, let us now fall in the hand of the Lord. Now, I wondered if he really clearly knew what he was saying when he said that right there. Because when we 
realize and have such an awesome respect for God, we know that God is all-powerful. If we ask that, we may not realize what we're talking about, but David finished up this request with an attribute of God which helped him make this decision. Look what he says. He says, now let us fall in the hand of God, which was the third choice. David didn't want to fall in the hand of men. David had already been pursued by Saul. David had already fallen in the hand of the enemy. And David says, let us, let us now, let us fall into the hand of the Lord. He says, for his mercies are great. David said, if I'm going to be offered the opportunity to make a decision above everything else, I certainly don't want to fall in the hands of men. Because men are not always merciful. But David says, I want to have, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be judged, I want to fall into the hand of a merciful God. God has had mercy upon me in times past in my life. God has not judged me according to my iniquities. God has not punished me according to what I deserve. But God has been merciful to me. And it just might be that God would be merciful to me one more time. And so David says, if I'm going to experience judgment, I want to experience it at the hand of a merciful God. Now that ought to help us to know that our God, even though there may be judgment around us and judgment in our life, that our God is a merciful God. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Never let me be ashamed, the psalmist says in Psalm 31. It's a, it's, it, in, in Psalm 31, verse 20, David says this. He says, Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence. Did you know that, that that's right where you and I are right now? We're in the hand of God. We're in the mind of God. And David says right here, in the secret of thy presence. We're right there in the midst of God. And not only are we in the midst of God, but God himself dwells in us. So that should help us. In fact, he says right here, Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Thou shalt hide me in the secret of thy presence. God is in you and you are in him. So knowing where we are positioned, we're taught in 1 John chapter 4 that knowing that God is in us and that we are in Him, that that principle, that teaching should help us to overcome fear. Now, folks in the world don't have that. They don't have that understanding. They don't have that knowledge. But as a child of God, 
we have that knowledge and not only the not only do we experience from the position of of knowledge but we also experience it from an exper experimental standpoint it's something that not only do we know just based on knowledge but we know it intimately as well. And here's how John describes it right here. This is so good. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. He says, uh, this is, we'll just scan down through this. He that loveth not, we'll start with verse 8. Uh, all of this chapter is outstanding. Encourage you to read 1 John chapter 4. We'll start with verse 8. He that knoweth not God, he, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's important that we love God. But it's more important that God loves us. And we're not going to love God unless God loves us. And we're not going to love God first. We're going to love God second. God loves us first and we love him second. And look at how it explains it right here. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And, and this is how much God loved us. And that he loved us and that he sent his son to be the propitiation. What does that mean? The payment, the sacrifice, something that we couldn't pay, that we didn't have the ability of ourselves. that Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sins. What does it mean? It means that our sins needed a sacrifice. Our sins needed a payment. We look at our sins. Our sins separate us as far as the east is from the west, from the presence of God. But there's something that joins and binds us together. And it's Jesus Christ. And he tells us right here that this is how much he loved us. That he sent his own son to you and I. Now look what he says. Beloved, if God so loved us, he says if God loves us, we ought to love one another. Now, Brother Danny mentioned a very powerful portion of Scripture, how that we are to forgive others and we're to forgive their trespass, trespasses and, and, and made some really good points in that. Well, one of the things that if we don't forgive others, well, two points right here. Colossians chapter 3 talks about it as well in Colossians chapter 1. That we are to forgive others on the basis of Christ forgiving us. But if we harbor bitterness and we harbor anger and resentment and we don't forgive others, we're not going to have that peace that passes all understanding in our own heart. We may be forgiven eternally and we will be in heaven someday by the grace of God but we're not going to experience the peace here in this life if we don't forgive others. Okay, look what he says here. Beloved, if we 
If God so loved us, he says, we ought to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell, that hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. So the Holy Spirit manifesting itself in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies. The Holy Spirit manifesting itself in us teaches us that God loves us and that we love Him. There's something that's on the inside that God puts there that causes us to know that God loves us and that we love Him. And we have seen and do testify the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him. And he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. And here's how he emphasizes it right here. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. He's saying that God is love. And if we love God, then he dwells in us. And then he says, here is an offshoot. Or here is a benefit of knowing that God loves you and that you love him and that you're in the hand of God and you're in the presence of God and you're kept by God and you're under the the presence of the Almighty. Here's what he says. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. And then here, it's verse 18. There is no fear in love. All right, if God loves us, if we love him, that ought to take care of fear. It's all right to be concerned. It's all right to be cautious. But it's not all right to be overtaken by fear. A couple of months ago, I ended up, as you know, in the hospital. I didn't want to go. I was fearful that if I went, that, uh, that I would probably catch COVID. I mean, it was real rampant at the time in the emergency room, and I dreaded it, and I held off as long as I could, and I had hoped there would be another way. But when I walked in there, I didn't go in touching everything that I could, drinking out of everybody else's cup. I went in, and I almost looked like an astronaut. I had a mask, I had gloves, and I had a face shield on. And, and I had a bottle of hand sanitizer. And everybody that came in, I made sure they washed their hands. And to me, that was being cautious, but I, I want to lead to the next day. 
Next day I went back and was getting ready for surgery. My 80-year-old mother dropped me off at the door. She's almost 80. Family couldn't go in. And I'm there in the operating room ready to be wheeled down. Once again, I'm dressed in my gloves and my mask and my face shield. And a nurse came in and she said, you're going to have to take that off. I said, you can take it off after you put me to sleep. But then I felt like that I'd done everything that I knew to do. And then all of a sudden, a peace came over. Probably, and, and, and I, naturally speaking, I don't have that peace going into an operating room. I just don't under any circumstance. And all of a sudden, this tremendous peace came over me that I thought, if I don't make it, that's all right. If something goes wrong, I'm okay because I know that God's in charge. In fact, I had such a tremendous peace that I looked to see if they had given me something. I mean, I thought maybe they've already started giving me the morphine. or so. I, I had that much peace. And so the nurse came in and I asked her, have you given me something? I, I wanted to know. I thought, this is not normal to have this amount of peace. And then I realized that that's what God's talking about when he gives us a peace that passes all understanding. I'd done everything I knew to do. Maybe it was overkill. Maybe it wasn't. I didn't get COVID. I'm very thankful for that. But I did everything I knew to do. But I also knew that it was in the hands of Almighty God. Now you and I might, you might question this. The psalmist says that we're not to worry. That God's going to take care of us. What about if he doesn't? The way that we think we ought to be taken care of. You see, with our little tiny brain that God gives us, I understand that even with our brain, we only use a small portion of it. With our little brain, we don't understand the mind of God. I mentioned to you this morning of a brother, a minister that died this last week from COVID. What does that mean? Does it mean that all this doesn't make sense? Does it mean that it's not true? Brother Mark mentioned in his prayer, in his prayers this morning. Brother Mark prayed some really good prayers this morning. But he mentioned in his prayer that God is sovereign. Brother Danny mentioned it. We can have a peace knowing that no matter what the outcome is, you see, so much of the time, we want to put God in our little box. We want to figure out the way things ought to work out. We want to figure out the rest of the story. And that might not be what God wants. Now, if God chooses not to deliver us the way that we feel like we ought to be delivered. God could be, not God could be, 
God is sparing us from something. We may not know what that is. We know some of what it is, but we don't know all of what it is. If God takes us home at an early age, there may be something in our life. There could have been a departure from God in our life or some tragedy down the road that God has spared us from. But I'll tell you something that I know that God spares us from. If God allows us to be taken home early, do you know one of the things God spares us from? He spares us from ourselves. Can you imagine just for a minute all the sin that we're going to make? If I live another 10 years, I mean, that's a horrible thought to think. But that if I went home right now to be with the Lord, it, God would be sparing me from a whole lot. I had this discussion with my family. You probably think, boy, y'all should have some different discussions. But, but I, I told them, I said, you know what? Really and truly, I say this right now and I really believe it. If God took me home, I've already experienced so many blessings in my life that I didn't deserve, that I wasn't worthy of. And if God saw fit in His sovereignty to take me home, there's a few things I'd like to finish. I know Brother Mark would like to start seeing great-grandkids pretty soon uh, at some point. And, and maybe more grandkids, at least some grandsons. <laughs> he was saying that it's getting hard for him to take care of the yard. And I said, that's why you had all these children to help with that and, and grandchildren. He said, but they're all girls. Well, maybe the Lord blessing with some boys. Uh, Brother Mike and Sister Katie. <laughs> um, but there may be some more things he wants to see. But I tell you, I want to be like Brother Larry Davis was. That if an affliction comes on, I want to know that I'm trusting in a sovereign God. And that it's in His hand. And that even if God doesn't work it out exactly the way I think that it ought to be worked out, it doesn't mean that God doesn't know or God doesn't care. God may be sparing me from myself or someone else. He sure might be. That's why when we pray, we pray that God's will be done. Not our will. Brother Danny mentioned that. And, and, and that's, that's, our, that's our greatest desire is that we pray that God's will be done. Okay, let's go through and read this. This is really, really good. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. But basically, knowing where we're positioned... Knowing our position in Christ and our position in the Lord eliminates a lot of fear. It doesn't mean that we're not concerned. It doesn't mean that we're not cautious. It doesn't mean that we take unnecessary risk. But it means that we have a hope in a sovereign God. It means we do all that we know to do. But we trust that God is the one that's in charge. And that God is in charge of the outcome. If I get sick, I'm going to go to the doctor. If doctor prescribes something, I'm going to take it. I may or may not get well. And if I don't, I need to trust that it's not because God wasn't faithful. 
But I should trust that I'm in the presence of God and God knows what's best. Now let's read this right here because David, well, if anybody could, could write this uh, at, with experience, David could. David says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In, uh, in, in Psalm chapter 17, verse 8, the psalmist says, Keep me as the apple of thine eye and hide me under the shadow of thy wings. And David refers to that here a, a couple of times in this psalm. He said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God and in Him will I trust. Did you know that that's, not, that's, that's why I'm not just totally overwhelmed by... It doesn't matter what issue you pick in the world. I know that ultimately God is in charge. I do. I hear different ones. Family members talk about the Russian conspiracy. Well, maybe they are conspiring. Maybe they have a conspiracy against us. But did you know that I'm not just singling out the Russians. It could be someone else. But did you know that they can only do what God allows them to. Do you know we probably do deserve some conspiracies. But they can only do what God allows them to do. And when, when you hear all these extreme views. I, I, don't, I don't just get overly concerned and worry. Because maybe they're right. Maybe they're not. But I, I, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. Because God knows. Heard a lot of folks debate about where did COVID start? Did it start with a bat? I, I don't know if it did. Did it start in a, in a lab? I don't know if it did. Did it start with the, the Russians? I don't know if it did. But God knows. And I tell you what, it's not a problem for God at all to bring it to an end if he wants to do that. It might be a good idea for those of us that know the Lord to go before the Lord. Sister Peggy mentioned this. She said, you know, it'd probably be a good idea if we didn't, if, if, if a time of prayer and fasting was, was called for. I don't know all the particulars. I don't have to know all the particulars. God knows. Well, just put it in His hands. And you know what? I found that any time that I spend trying to figure it out, I could really spend that time much more profitable. Because it's just an idea. And I found out that a lot of times my ideas are way off. So if I just put my trust in the Lord, that's what I ought to be doing. So look, let's look at this. This, this chapter is so good. And please go home and read it. You'll, you'll be blessed if you do. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. Let me ask you, what is your refuge? Is it the commentators? Is it, what is your refuge? David said, my refuge is the Lord. And he says, and he's my fortress. He's my place of safety. Did you know that you can actually have a place of safety in an unsafe setting? How is that? Because you know that you're secure in the hands of Almighty God. Folks may touch you physically, but they can't touch you in your spirit. 
They can't touch that spiritual man that's on the inside. Folks may harm you. They may discourage you. But they can't get to what's on the inside of you because God put that there and God keeps it there. He says, David says, he's my fortress, he's my refuge. And he says, by the way, that's where I'm going to trust. That's where I'm going to spend my trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Now this is interesting right here. And the nauseum, 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 pestilence. Kind of sounds like some news stations, doesn't it? He says he'll deliver me from that. From the... Notice, I, I can't even say it. I have to get Brother Danny or Brother Mike to, interp- uh, to pronounce it for me. He shall cover thee again. He shall cover thee with his feathers. He's saying that's where you are. Now when a mother hen or mother bird covers the young with their feathers, that's a place of safety. That's a place of security. That's a place of warmth. That's a place of refuge. The mother's going to take care of all the obstacles of that little bird or whatever is under the feathers. He says, and he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Let me just mention this right here. This is important, I think. I think it's worthy to note. When David was saying all this, did you know that very likely, when David was saying this, if David's the one that authored this, David was saying it to himself. And then we've been the beneficiaries of it. Do you know when I bring a message, it's not a message for me at you it's a message for all of us hopefully this helps me overcome fear and this helped David overcome fear and David's just sharing with you what's helped him so I hope that this helps all of us here he shall cover thee with his feathers under his wings shalt thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler I I can't tell you how many times when I face a difficult situation that I can run to the scriptures or a verse, a familiar verse comes to mind that helps. It helps. It helps make my decision about what to do. It helps strengthen me. It helps me to overcome fear. It helps. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. And he mentions again, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh to thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, 
even the Most High, thy habitation. David says, the Lord is my refuge. The Lord, even the Most High. How high is he? We can't even understand how high God is. We understand that the heavens are the Lord's. We understand that the earth is the Lord's and all things therein. And that's about as far as we can fathom of what God possesses. But he says he's not just the highest. He is the most high. And he says you're in the hands and in the presence of the most high. And you're protected, it says, by by his feathers. You're protected by his hand. You're in the mind of God. He says, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any, and he mentions again, plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. So that's interesting right there. That not only are we in the hands of God, but God has even a host of messengers angels and he says that God's going to put his angels and his angels have charge over you now that's really let's see if we can explain it this way if I go out to the car and I turn on the radio and doesn't matter which station AM, FM Sirius, any of those I can't see it But there's something there that that receiver picks up. And I can only see the effects of it. I can can hear the effects of it. The effects, you get a talk show, or you get a song, or you get some type of reception that allows you to hear the effect of what's going on in the air, in the airwaves. I can't even hardly imagine it. Brother Jim Lilly, Columbia Church, has been working on a, some type of concept to be able to take a bundle of energy and send it through space to another place and somebody else receive it. And I can't even, I can't even fathom that, that concept. I may not have even gotten it right. Brother Danny knows it better than I do. But I can't even understand that. Well, I don't understand angels. I don't see them. Now, I may have seen angels and I may not know it. But I certainly do believe that they're there. I do. I'll tell you something of my experience with angels. And this confirms to me, this one thing confirms that there's angels. More than once, I've started to pull out in maybe a dangerous intersection where a car was coming that I didn't see. And all of a sudden, my foot hit the brake without me seeing it or without my mind telling my foot to hit the brake. And I'm convinced that there was an angel riding along with me. There have been experiences, mainly driving, that I've experienced something over and above what was that I was doing and I believe it was angels I've, I've shared this experience with you Elder Cecil Darty, who used to preach here 
He was a wonderful preacher. He rode the, the Greyhound bus in his latter years into his 80s. He would travel and he'd come up to Mount Carmel and preach down from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And he called the Greyhound bus, he used to drive, but he called the Greyhound bus the gospel dog. That was his method of transportation, the Greyhound bus. But he said, I was going on a preaching trip, and he said, I got relaxed, and I got sleepy, and he said, I dozed off off to sleep. And he said, when I did, he said, my car went up through a grove of trees, up an embankment through a grove of trees, wound around and landed back on the pavement. And he said, by then I had awakened. He said, if I'd been wide awake, I couldn't have driven my car through that path at all. He said, I believe in angels. Well, here he tells us that God has a host of angels to protect us, that he's there for us. Please go through and read the rest of this. It's really, really good. Um, Verse 15 says, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Verse 1 of chapter 92 says, It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto the name of the Most High. If we experience fear, we need to remember who we are, we need to remember where we are. We need to remember that God is for us. We need to remember that God is sovereign. And God always knows and always does what's best for us in every situation and what's for His glory. And if God, through His mercy... As David said, I want to be in the hand of a merciful God even if there's judgment going on all around. I ultimately want to be in the hands of a merciful God. He said, I've been in the hands of men. I've been chased by men. They want to destroy me and take my life. And ultimately I know that God is a merciful God. Even in the midst of judgment in our lives, in the midst of judgment in the world, even in the midst of what we're dealing with right now, even in the midst of all that, God is a merciful God. And He would have His people to be encouraged in Him. Be cautious? Absolutely. James chapter 1 talks about this. He says, If any man lack wisdom... Is there anybody here that can say that they finally got it all figured out? Luke, Luke, I'm so glad your dad pointed and said, you've got it figured out. You know, it's amazing how when you're about Luke's age, you really do think you've got it figured out. But when you're about dad's age, you realize that you don't. Well, that's when you realize you really need wisdom. And wisdom, we ask that God give us wisdom. And that is taking the information we have, praying that God bless us. I mean, reading this, you you can read it from daylight till dark, but unless God opens your understanding and blesses you to put it together and connect the dots, it's not going to have a benefit to you. But wisdom is taking the knowledge that you have, praying that God bless it, and then making the best decision based on the knowledge that God has blessed you with and the insight that He's given you. 
Sometimes you can throw experience in there as well. You know, there's some things if you've done it once and you didn't have a good experience, you don't do it again. I've mentioned to you, my grandmother could make the best macaroni and cheese casserole. Mm, I wish that she still could make it today. It was so good. I remember when my grandmother would bake this casserole, she would put it in the oven. A lot of folks don't do it. They just stir it up on the, on the burner and, and, and you eat it out of the saucepan. But my grandmother, she put it in a casserole dish and she'd put Velveeta cheese across the top of it. I know that's not really cheese, but it looked like it. And all of a sudden, she'd cook it and it'd start bubbling up. And I was about four years old and I remember this. And I saw those big bubbles and I thought, that would be so neat to pop those bubbles. <laughs> and she saw me and she said, don't even think about it. Well, as soon as grandmother went out of the room, I opened the oven door and I stuck my finger in there and popped one of those bubbles. And if you know about Velveeta cheese, it sticks to your finger. And when it's 350 degrees, it gets your attention. Well, do you know what? I learned my lesson. I haven't been tempted since then at all to put my finger in boiling cheese. <laughs> so you can apply your experience with what God gives you and the knowledge you have and pray that God bless you with wisdom and then you make the best decision you can to the glory of God. We're not to be motivated and overcome by fear. We're to pray for wisdom but we're to realize as Christians where we are. And that is in the mind and the presence and the hand of Almighty God. And if we die what we think is an early death, God may be sparing us from ourselves or something down the road. I hope it's a blessing to you. May God bless you.